0: Praise the Lord. I remember uh, when we were in that, uh, in that little tiny classroom in the, other, in, the other, uh, in the education building, going through that Becoming a Child of God class, uh, after Andy said, yeah, I want to I put my, my, my faith in Jesus Christ, along with Connie Lou and Louis Fang, who are also going to be baptized today, we just said, how do you feel? How do you feel now? And Andy said, I don't know. I want to cry why do you want to cry? I don't know. I'm just happy. I think this is, as I hear Andy sharing, another testimony of God's power. I just want to cry. He asked me why. I don't know. I'm just happy. This is the grace of God. I love it. And thank God that countless times throughout history, in the history of our church, but even on a broader scale, throughout the world, throughout history, human history, God has been changing lives and it's awesome. Whether you, today's your first Easter Sunday here, uh, first Easter Sunday in a church, or you've been here like for all of your life, happy Easter! Oh, we're so glad that you're here. Let, why don't we do this? Can you do this again? Can you look at the person next to you and say, "Christ is risen," and then respond back, "He's risen indeed." So today, uh, Easter Sunday. Uh, at, at our church, we like to call it Resurrection Sunday. A lot of churches, we call it Resurrection Sunday. It's a day that we believe and celebrate Jesus Christ overcoming death, breaking through uh, the tomb with life, with victory, to rise again, to give us a hope that one day, if we believe in Him, we who die will live forever with Him in the new heavens and the new earth. If you don't believe this, if you grow up not believing this, or if you don't, you know, you don't think this to be true, you're probably thinking... What is wrong with these people? What is wrong with these people? Do they check their brains at the door when they and I came to this place where I thought to myself, is this really true? In all of my, you know, my my I was probably like eight or ten at the time, in my ten years of existence, I've never seen anybody come back to life after they died. And this has never happened before. How could this really be true? And I grew up thinking this and asking these questions year after year, Easter after Easter. I would hear, these, uh, would hear people say, Christ is risen, he's risen indeed. And I would say, is that really true though? And it got to a point where I was a, a second year in college. And I said, I need to make sure. I need to really do my research and figure out if this is really true. Because if it's not then I've wasted 19 years of my life, but if it's true, then I'm going to go all in. And I'm going to give everything that I have to this God." Because if it's true, if it's true, then everything changes. Everything changes, and nothing can be the same again. And so the context was: I was in a public speaking class, University of Virginia, my second year, a secular university. Fifteen people around and we, Our assignment was to give a persuasive speech. We had to persuade the class on something in ten minutes, and then they would have the rest of the class to ask us questions. And so I chose as my topic, whether I believed it or not, I wanted it to be true. I said, here's my topic, why the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a historical fact. And I read and I studied and I researched this before the internet. I had to get physical books. I read scholars from Cambridge, from Harvard, from Yale, from Oxford. I read Christians and non-Christians. I read historians and people of our day trying to figure out, is this all really true? And at the end of the time... With conviction in my heart I stood in front of these non-believing people and I testified to why I believe with all of my heart and with all of my life and with all of my mind that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is one of the most well attested to historical events in history I came to the same conclusion that billions of people throughout the world have come to this morning and have come through through the past 19 20 centuries came the same conclusion, more importantly, that people who lived in Jesus' time came to when they saw the empty tomb. Not only did they see that the tomb was empty, because if the tomb was simply empty, then you could say, well, somebody robbed his body. But not only was the tomb empty, but people literally saw Jesus. Hundreds of people saw Jesus over a period of 40 days. They saw Jesus. So here you've got two things going on. There's an empty tomb, which could symbolize that the, that the body got stolen. There are people seeing Jesus, which could have symbolized the mass hallucination. But if you've got an empty tomb and they see Jesus, then maybe, just maybe, that a God in the sky, a God in the heavens, who really created this world and put everything into existence and rules over it... a dead man the way that he promised he would not only that there were disciples who were scared to death, wouldn't even get near Jesus the last days and the last moments of his life, hiding out, after they saw the risen Lord, their lives were changed to the fact that 11 of the 12 went to their grave with this simple message we saw Jesus, he was dead and he rose again and he can give you hope of eternal life This is the message that we proclaim. In fact, in a matter of years after that happened, it was a widespread belief that historians as well as uh, non-Christian as well as Christian historians say was being passed down as historical fact. In fact, we're going to read from First Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to read First uh, Corinthians chapter 15, uh, just two verses, verses 3 and 4, and we're going to see that this was accepted as common knowledge that Jesus died, was buried, and he rose again from the dead. And we're going to see what this means for our lives. First Corinthians 15 uh, verses 3 and 4 it's up there if you don't have uh, your Bible uh, but this is God's word it says for what I received I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. This is God's word. One of the questions I had, in addition to, could this really be true? It's a very simple question that, that, that boils down to a matter of mathematics to me. Why is it that everybody universally believes that Jesus Christ died on a Friday, he rose again on a Sunday, but the account that was written says that he rose on the third day? If Friday is a day of death, A day later is Saturday, two days later is Sunday, three days later would be Monday. You don't have to be uh, uh, very smart to figure out that kind of logic. And so this is a question that I constantly ask. Why is it that they say he was raised on the third day? Very (coughs) simply put, because in those days, uh, the, the Jewish way of counting was a little bit different from the way that we count today we from, maybe if you're from a, uh, from an Asian background, you understand this to be true also. Uh, there's a difference between how old I am in America, as a Korean American, and how old I am in Korea. It's Very interesting. Now, I'm not gonna tell you how old I am, but I will tell you this. A few years back, I had a conversation with a friend of mine. He was 34 at the time, and he wanted to date a girl who was 24 years old. Okay. In Korea, okay, here's the deal, you begin counting your age at conception, so by the time you're born, you're already one year old. And for us, if you've, been, if you've been in this world a day, you're one day old, and then you have to literally wait a year to be called a year. But when you turn a year in Korea, you're actually two. It's crazy stuff. So my friend, 34 years old, wanted to date a girl who was 24 years old, 10 year difference, and his parents didn't like it. And so I said, 34 and 24, not huh? 10 years? He said, yeah. And I kind of paused for a little bit and I think he kind of uh, picked up on the hesitation. He said, but but here, there's one month every year where, when I'm 34, she's 25. I said, okay, that's great. Work that angle. Because here, when you're 34 and she's 25, in Korean, she's 26. And 26 is closer to 30 than it is to 20, so just tell your parents she's almost 30 and it's no big deal. The point is, we count time differently in Eastern and Western cultures. And the way that they counted time in the Jewish world was different also. Any part of a day was considered a day. So here Jesus dies on Friday. That's the first day. The second day is Saturday. And the third day is Sunday. And so you understand this idea, okay, it makes sense now that Jesus was risen on the third day. But the more you get into it, it's almost like the Bible writers want us to be crystal clear about this because when you read through the accounts of Scripture, it's very rare that you will read a passage of Jesus' resurrection without hearing it say that he rose on the third day. Right? Let me give you some examples here. <clears throat> Throughout the New Testament in Luke 24, third, uh, 46. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. In Acts chapter 10 verse 40. God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. First Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. The passage that we read also gives evidence for that. But there's not just these. Matthew 16, 21. Matthew 17, 23. Matthew 20, 19. Well, Mark 8, 31. Mark 9.31, Mark 10.34, Luke 9.22, Luke 18.33, John 2.20. You get the point that the Bible writers take great pains and go to great lengths to communicate this simple idea that Jesus didn't just die and rise again. He rose again on the third day. The question we have to ask is why? Why is that such a big deal? Everybody, okay, Jesus rose from the dead. That's cool, but why do they make it so clear And why do they want us to be so clear that he rose on the third day? Tell you what, it's interesting because this three-day story is not isolated to the resurrection accounts. In fact, in the Old Testament, in the Older Testament, you see countless times, Genesis 22, hey, the first day God says, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son Isaac on the mountain. The second day, he's taking his son as he thinks about his impending demise. On the third day, as he's about to sacrifice his son, God says, stop, and he provides a ram in the thicket. In Jonah chapter 1, throughout Jonah actually, many different places in Jonah. See, Jonah, he goes and he preaches doom and gloom on Nineveh. He goes the first day, the second day he's walking through, and then the third day, the people of Nineveh get saved. Joshua chapter 1 also. The first day, Moses dies. The second day, the people are scrambling, they're confused, they're wondering what to do. The third day, they cross over the river and they enter into the promised land. Esther, the book of Esther, genocide. The Persians are about to wipe out all of the Jews in Persia. The first day, Esther takes that news and she goes before the king. She says, I'm going to go before the king. And to go unsummoned before the king is is instant death. The second day, she prays, and she fasts, And then on the third day, deliverance comes to the Jewish people. You see a very familiar pattern here. You see this throughout the Bible. The first day is a day of darkness. It's a day of pain. It's the day that Jesus dies on the cross. It's the day that our dreams die. It's the day that our hopes die. It's the day that everything dies. The second day is a day of confusion. It's a day of waiting, it's a day of wondering, it's a day of wandering, it's a day of waiting for the prayer to be answered, it's a day of silence, it's a day of agony, and then it's the third day that God shows up to deliver. God shows up to deliver. It's the third day that God raised Jesus from the dead. And the Bible writers want to make it explicit and clear that you understand that in the Bible, there's constantly this three-day story that goes on, a day of darkness, a day of questioning, and then God loves to show up again on the third day. You see, here's what our world guarantees. Our world guarantees that there will be a two-day story, that there will be darkness, there will be tears, and then there will be confusion. And then here's what it says: you can hope that there will be a third day. Okay, but here's the difference between what the world says and the way the world talks about hope and the way that the Bible talks about hope. The way that the world talks about hope is not the biblical definition of hope. Okay, the way that the world talks about hope is more like a sense of wishful thinking. You know, when people who wishful thinking is basically you deny the reality, you wish and you hope for something. You can long for that. It makes you feel better. But it has no ability to actually change anything. I hope that it doesn't rain today. I hope that I get that job. I hope that that boy asked me to prom. I hope that the Magic make the playoffs one day. And we hope in a lot of different things. But there's nothing more than wishful thinking according to the world. Here's another way that the world defines hope. The world defines hope as just be optimistic. Blind optimism, and again, blind optimism is very much that. It's blind, it ignores much of the facts. So again, hey, you know what, I hope, so you remember this, I don't know if you remember this movie, but Dumb and Dumber, right, Dumb and Dumber, there's a character named Lloyd Christmas. Lloyd Christmas is very dumb. But his love interest is this lady, uh, I forget who the lady's name is, but he's asking her to go out with him. And she says, no. And so he says, what do you think are the chances? What do you think are the odds? Maybe one in a thousand? And she's like, no. More like one in a million. And so he thinks about it. And then he says, so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> Blind optimism. And that's what our world says. And the best thing that a world can guarantee to us is that there will be a day one, and there will be a day two. And what the biblical writers are saying is only in Christ is there a certainty of hope that there will be a day three. Because the Bible tells us exactly what. See, here's the world's hope. is you, Hope is something that you do. Biblical hope is something that you have. I hope that this happens. I hope that that happens. Whereas biblical hope is something that you have. I have hope. Why? Check this out. In the New Testament, in the Bible, the word hope shows up 73 times. And only two of those times is before the resurrection happens. 71 times out of 73, (coughs) the Bible writers connect hope post-resurrection. In other words, they want to make it absolutely clear where our hope comes from. Our hope doesn't come from anything else in the world, but it comes from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That no matter what day you're in, there's always a third day coming. And that's a promise that God gives. Because can we be honest? Our world is seen a lot of Darkness. You wake up in the morning and, and, and maybe apart from Easter, you wake up this morning and you read the news, the temptation is to drown yourself in the midst of the darkness. Last week, a gathering just like this in Egypt, where our brothers and sisters, countless who follow the name of Jesus Christ, in their worship service came and a bomb went off and lives were taken. You think about the world in which you live. I was eating, eating lunch with uh, an unbelieving, a non-Christian lawyer the other day downtown. And as we sat down to eat, after I said the blessing, the first thing he said, the doomsday clock is moving rapidly forward. and We're getting closer and closer. What do you do? So I said, what do you do? Here's what I do. And I proceeded to tell him about the hope of Jesus Christ. Because you see, Jesus never said there won't be hardship and trouble in this life. In fact, he says that it would happen, and he takes the world up on its guarantee. There will be darkness, there will be pain, there will be confusion. Any of you living in that place today, you're living in darkness, you're living in confusion, maybe you're in day two, and you're hoping and longing for a better day. Because you see, it's into that context that the hope and the message of Easter Entered into our world in the darkest of nights. I love what this one preacher said. Uh, he, he, he mentioned this back in, uh, I think it was 2011, uh, 2011 or 2009. I forget when the, the major uh, economic stock market crash happened. And it was a, it was a dark, dark period and people everywhere were looking for hope. And he said something like this, and, and I think we can, we can kind of pick up on this idea because all around, whatever, whatever tomorrow holds, I think when we look back to Easter Sunday 2017 and people talk about what's going on in the world, you might agree with that lawyer who said the doomsday clock is ticking and is going faster and faster and is coming towards us at rapid measure. We just dropped a bomb in Syria. We dropped a bomb in Afghanistan. North Korea is plotting nuclear holocaust. That's the world in which we live. And that's our reality. But can I tell you another reality? For 2,000 years, there have been dark moments. For 2,000 years, people stood up on Easter Sunday in a very dark period in their lives. And for 2,000 years, people of God have stood up and then confessed with hope. The very same thing that those Egyptian Christians who survived the bomb attacks, who saw their brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers and children killed. So those Christians gathered around and they got up this morning and they celebrated the hope of the resurrection. They got together last week and they held hands around the rubble and they confessed the Nicene Creed together saying even death cannot hold us down because we are a people of the third day. We're not trapped in day one or day two because we have hope that a better day is coming. And they say we believe in God who for us and for our salvation sent his son to live the perfect life born of a virgin, born to... This world, in order that he might die, we believe he rose again from the dead. And they boldly testify to that. Because the resurrection gives us hope that nothing else in this world can give to us. And for 2,000 years, men and women have stood up in churches and they've confessed their hope. And it's not, and it did not sound like this. Church, let's stand together in the midst of all that's happening in the Middle East, in the midst of all that's happening in Asia, in the midst of all that's happening with our presidency and in our, in our uh, diplomatic relations with the other world, let's sit with the rest of the world, let's stand together and let's confess the hope we have. Our military budget has risen. It has risen indeed. The number of troops deployed has risen. It has risen indeed. On a more personal level, maybe some of you financially are in that place. And your hope lies in these words. The stock market has risen. It has risen indeed. My investment portfolio has risen. It has risen indeed. And maybe if you're a student, here's your hope. Juniors in high school, my SAT scores have risen. They have risen indeed. My GPA has risen indeed. What did they say? 2,000 dark years have gone by. And every Sunday on Easter, they would rise up and they would say, Christ has risen. And the response of the people, he has risen indeed. That's given us hope for 2,000 years. There's a third day that is coming that is infinitely greater than anything else that you've seen in this world up until this point in time. Where are you today? What day are you in? What day are you in as you come this Easter Sunday? Maybe you're a Christian who's scared to death. Can I remind you that we're a three-day kind of people? Maybe you're not a Christian. Hey, Today can be your day. You can find hope. What is it that causes the Egyptian Christians to say, you know what, even even if it means death to us, we still have hope because they know that the hope of the resurrection gives them a certainty of a third day. The third day tells us that God's not finished. He's not finished in your life. He's not finished in our world. He's not finished He's not on vacation anywhere. This is the hope of the third day. One of my buddies preached a sermon uh, some years ago. Uh, I think he called it, uh, "Keep your fork." <laughs> Last night, I was at a wedding and uh, we had eaten. the, the meal was a, a barbecue, It was catered from someplace, and uh, as the wait stamp was coming around, uh, he asked, "Can I take your plate?" And I said, yes, you can take it, I'm done, thank you. And I was waiting for him to say, uh, you can take your fork off because the dessert is coming, but he didn't, he took it away, and I was like, oh, shoot, I guess there's no dessert coming. That's kind of life in our world. There's no better story coming. But my friend Kevin preached this this sermon, I think it was kind of based around the story of of a lady. She was a lady who had been given a cancer diagnosis, and after fighting and struggling through it for some time, she was given three day, uh, three months left to live. So the doctor said, I want you to uh, start making plans and preparation uh, for death, to say your goodbyes and, and your farewells and so
1: She was a woman of hope and a woman of faith and a woman of,
0: of Christ and so she uh, called her pastor in and she said, you know pastor, when, I, when you do my funeral, uh, here are the songs that I want sung. Here's a scripture that I would like read. Here's who I want to do what. And I want you to bury me with my favorite Bible. And he said, okay. But this pastor said, the next thing she said was something that I've never heard in any funeral that I've ever done. She said, but here, you gotta get this next part. This next part is the most important thing. And he said, okay, I'm listening. And she said, I need you to bury me with a fork. Mm -hmm. (laughs) With a fork, what are you talking about? And she said, My favorite part of going out to eat somewhere at a nice restaurant, basically what I mentioned, is when we're eating dinner, and the server comes and he takes away the plate, and he says to me, keep your fork, because something better's coming. She said, I want people to walk up there and to see me with a fork, and I want them to ask you, what's up with the fork? And I want you to tell them that she was unequivocally, undeniably certain that she wanted you to know that for her and for you, it's possible. But for her, she knows that something better is coming because she believes in the third day. The third day, my friends, the third day is where crucified carpenters come back to life. The third day is where the tomb, the stone is rolled away and they look in and they see that the tomb is empty. That's the third day. The third day is when death is defeated and God has his way. The third day is when God shows up to bring deliverance and he can do that in your life. The third day is when broken marriages are healed. The third day is when broken lives Are mended. The third day is when broken families find healing. The third day is when broken lives and broken dreams and broken hopes, hopes which were lost, stand renewed. This is the hope of the third day. And he's saying, We as a people of God understand that God is writing a three day story in our lives, wherever you might be. Maybe you're in the first day of darkness. Maybe you're in the second day of confusion and pain and wondering. Maybe deep in your heart, though everything looks good on the outside, inwardly you're wasting away. You put up pictures on on Instagram, you put up pictures on Facebook where everything is happy. Your marriage looks great, your family looks great, your friendships look great, but inside you're wasting away. And like Andy shared, maybe you go home each day. I'd rather just die and end my life than live this life and live in this world. Maybe you're trapped in your sin and you don't think there's a way out of it. I tell you that the resurrection on the third day tells us that God's not done because God loves to show up on the third day. And he's here to do that for anybody who wants to believe. What day are you in? Today can be the third day for you. A day that gives you hope because God's here. Let's pray together.